You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you today. Well, I'm excited to get into God's Word with you. Before we get into God's Word, who's excited about that polar dip? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's for a good cause, too. This is fun. Michael and I just think it's fun, even without raising money for a cause. So, listen, you may think it's horrible, but I encourage you to volunteer. Be part of the team, because it will be an awesome experience. I guarantee it. I can't wait to see the look on your face. <clears throat> Second, uh, if you have, uh, if you give uh, using the envelopes, uh, Calvin has done all of the tax receipts. If you give um, during e-transfer as well, that should be coming to you. So check your mailboxes if you haven't already for your tax receipts. And want to also thank Calvin if you see him for he does that all volunteer uh, with his team. I also want to read to you this morning a statement from our denomination, which we as a church are supporting, on Bill C-4, which was passed a couple of weeks ago. I'll read it for you. We've talked about it a little bit over uh, the last coming couple of months. This week marked a monumental change in Canadian law and society with the enactment of the federal Bill C-4, which amends the criminal code. The law's stated purpose is to outlaw conversion therapy. We strongly oppose this evil, unscientific, therapeutic practice the bill has introduced to address. We appreciate and affirm the desire for parliamentarians to protect the vulnerable. However, we are deeply concerned that the effective reach of this legislation could be extended far beyond its stated purpose. Because its definition of conversion therapy is vague, many are concerned that it would capture parents, pastors, and counselors who teach biblical understanding of sexuality in a variety of situations. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees our freedoms of religion, conscience, thought, belief, expression, and association. It is our prayer that the law will be applied and clarified as needed in such a way as to honor these charter protections. We recognize that the greatest danger facing the Canadian church that we might face is not criminal persecution, but rather we might compromise our teaching of God's word or fall silent due to fear the proclamation of the gospel. Along with church leaders, uh, we stand in conviction across Canada, and we, as Calvary, today promise you that with the Lord's help, we will continue to proclaim the whole counsel of God, Acts 20, 27, without fear or favor, of government. This includes God's life-giving design for human beings, made in his image, male and female, Genesis 1:27, with sexual intimacy reserved for the conventional union of man and woman. It is our true hope that we will continue to stand firm and call all men and women to repentance of sin and to believe in the gospel knowing that we've all sinned, Romans 3.23, and that we would all embrace salvation through Jesus Christ as our one and only hope, Acts 4.12. 
We will continue to love and serve all people in our community without distinction in Jesus' name as we press forward in the work of the ministry. And we trust that our Heavenly Father will guide us and keep us, guard us and keep us as we carry out this work. Next week, I will have some uh, documents. If you want to understand the law a little bit better, it's going to explain it in its context. And I want you to be praying. And also, as you talk to your members of Parliament, uh, both provincially and federally, talk to them about how uh, we want to make sure that this doesn't get used just to entrap pastors and parents from talking about God's great design. So I encourage you in that. Finally, no, I don't have COVID. You can... If you hear my voice, is a little raspy. I've tested myself three times, so you can be in confidence. I just lost my voice part of the way through the week, and my son told me I sounded like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. So I'll be sipping out water. Well, you can pick up your Bibles if you haven't. You know the routine. We want you to be in God's Word. We want you to be able to read it for yourself and understand it for yourself. That's the way God gave it. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you you don't have one or reach to the seat behind you if you don't have your own take that one as our gift to you we're going to be in ephesians 5 15 to 21 continuing in our series god the gospel and our response as well you'll find in your bulletins some fill in the blanks if that helps you keep uh, track and take notes we encourage you to do that whatever will help you retain what we're going to go through Well, before the days of the GPS, you remember these things called maps and compasses. You remember them? Sometimes uh, my kids pull out these things that are in my trunk. and What are these? Well, these are maps. A map and a compass for much of time was the way if you wanted to negotiate a large piece of land or if you wanted to uh, go across a large body of water, you needed a map and a compass. One, the map, so you could plot, you could see where you were, you could see where you wanted to go, and the compass, so that you could make a bearing, so that you could go from point A to point B and understand the route that you would take. You would need this for a voyage, you would need this for a long journey. And well, today I want to lay out to you that just as... Uh, Passing over a large piece of water is a voyage, so too life is a voyage. You got to know where you are, where you want to go, and how you're going to get there. The final point for us, the final uh, resting place, is eternity, either with God or without. And the voyage of life can sometimes have its clear, easy stretches. As well, it has storms and collisions. The voyage will bring you across allies and enemies and sometimes neutral parties. The voyage for some can be a procession of self-made disasters that leave them abandoned at sea. For some, they'll find themselves under constant enemy harassment throughout their voyage. For some, they'll come to great periods of victory when they'll reach those endpoints, those places they've been traveling, and they celebrate with everyone that they've reached these successes. And for some, unfortunately, they shipwreck their faith on the voyage to eternity. But we shouldn't be mistaken that life is a voyage. It's going from somewhere to somewhere else. And there are some places along this voyage that you want to make sure you hit. 
And so today, uh, Paul, in his exhortation uh, to the Ephesian church, is going to lay out some principles that will hopefully help us on our personal voyages of life and faith. So let's pray that God can help me to talk about this. God, we know that we're not an accident. We know that we're not just here by random chance. We know there is a point to life. We know you didn't create us by accident, that we're not just some blip that, oh, how did he or she get on this earth? No, you created us with purpose. You have things that you intend and desire for us to do in this world. And Lord, there are many who are just drifting. And Lord, there are many who find themselves shipwrecked on shores they didn't think they would end up on. God, you want to see us succeed. You want to see us live out your will. Lord, would you help us? Would you give us a, 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 an excitement that, that there's places you want us to go. There are achievements you want us to do. You're, there are things that you want to build through our lives, Lord. Would you help us to have a biblical mindset of life and to get out of this Disneyland that is the, the Canadian view on life that we're just kind of drifting wherever we want to go. Lord, help me, a very simple person, to proclaim the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We pick it up in verse 15, chapter 5. Paul says, Pay careful attention then to how you walk. You want to have a successful voyage in life? First of all, you've got to plot your route. You've got to plot your route. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. The walk is the walk through life. And I don't think, at least most people that I've come into contact with, I don't think most people set out on this journey thinking that, you know what, I really want to fail in life. You know what, I really want to find myself at 30, at 50, at 70, having failed many of the things that I hope to achieve in life. I I don't want my life to be one disaster after another. And sometimes things are out of our hands, definitely. Sometimes there's things that come along that, you know, We have no control over. Sometimes stuff comes from other people and it affects our lives. But you know, sometimes it's simply because we did not really think about how we were going to live our life. It's simply the consequences when we don't pay close attention to our walk. That pay close attention, those three words translated in English, come from a Greek word called blepo, pronounced blepo. And, And what it means in English pay close attention, but it also means take heed or look carefully or discern or be very observant. And it, and it kind of runs with verse 14, right? Remember that when this epistle was written, it was written as a letter. There wasn't verses. It was just a big letter written to the Ephesian church, which they would read out to everyone. And so verse 15 kind of goes off of verse 14. So look at it and, and see it in its context. Verse 14, chapter 5, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Put that together with verse 15, and you might have something like, wake up, sleeper, get up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, and pay very close attention to how you walk. You know, that's the reality, is that a lot of us, we can be honest, don't pay very, very close attention to the way we walk, to the way we live. 
and there's different elements. When you wake up, you got to know where you are, right? He's calling the Christians to wake up, sleeper, and then pay close attention. Well, when you wake up, you got to realize where you are in life. Some people don't know where they are, so they can't pay close attention. They don't really get where they are in life. You know, I remember when I was traveling from a little place called Brandon, Manitoba, worst mosquitoes I've ever seen in my entire life, back to Edmonton, and I had just finished this course, and I was traveling with another guy, and we'd just come off of a really grueling course, and so we wanted to get back, and so we were both tired, and so he said, I'll drive first, and he was, drove, I don't know, f- four or five hours, let's say, and I slept, and then it was evening, and, and he wakes me up, and we're at some gas station, and I assume I know you want to drive. I assume I know where we are. Yeah, I'll drive, and I said, groggily get out and switch places with him, and he goes right to sleep. And you know what? I just took off driving down the road, kind of like dumbstruck, still half asleep, driving, driving for about half an hour until I realized I have no idea where I am because I had no idea where I was when I woke up. And so if I don't know where I was, then I don't know where I'm going. And that's sometimes the way we live life. We're just kind of driving along, don't really know where we are, don't really know where we're going. But in life, you've got to know where your starting place is. And many people, Christians and non-Christians, have no idea where they are in their life. And they have no idea where they want to end up. They're just sort of drifting through life. They're like sleepwalkers. They have no short-term goals. They have no long-term goals. And sometimes when they do have those goals, they don't really know how they're going to get there. They have a desire. I want to be there. I want to be this place in my finances. I want to be this way in my relationships. I want to raise my children to be this, but they don't know how they're going to get there. So they just kind of drift along hoping it's going to happen. But let's be honest, it doesn't usually work out like that. There needs to be intentional thought about where I am, where I want to go, and how I'm going to get there. And so the first part is you got to wake up. You got to stop. You got to recognize where are you in life? And I ask that question to you. Where are you in your marriage? Are you in a good place? Do you know your spouse very well? Where are you in your finances? Are you in a stable place? Are you in debt? Where are you in your spiritual walk? Are you a baby Christian? Or are you a young man or a young woman? Or are you an elder? Are you experienced? Where are you in your walk of life? That's where you got to start. And then you got to identify where you want to go, right? This is the basic map and compass concept. You got to spot yourself on the map and see where you want to go. Where do you want to end up in life? Where do you want to end up with your children? Where do you want to end up in your finances? Where do you want to end up in your spirituality? Where do you want to serve in the church? Like, what is your goals in life. And everyone should be thinking these things. So where are you? Where do you want to go? And I, and I got this overhead, if you want to put up the first slide. We should all have some long-term goals. All right, this is some of my goals. These aren't all of them, but these are some of them. These are some of the things that I've, I've determined I want to get to these things before I die. So I want to know Christ deeply I, want, I don't just want to be a baby Christian all my life. I want to love and sacrifice for Rebecca faithfully. I want to love and prepare my children for life and faith. I don't just want to send them out into the world, you know, kind of not really knowing what they're going to do. I want to uh, 
be a kingdom building benefit to the church, right? I don't just want to be a part of the church and not really build anything. I don't want to look back on my life when I get to the end of it and say, well, I didn't really do anything for God. It was all kind of about myself. I want to honor my parents. I want to be a, 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 a faithful friend to a few, realizing that I can't be a friend to everyone, but I can be a faithful friend to a few. So I'm going to intentionally invest in those people because I want to see those people succeed. I want to keep seeking people to share the gospel with. You know what? That means I have to be intentional about being around unbelievers. I want to keep my body healthy and strong. I I don't want to reach 60 and and I can't really pick up my grandkids and I just kind of shuffle about to the best that I can do. I want to live uh, debt-free. I want to keep learning and being useful, right? And so those are some long-term goals. You should have some of those. You should be thinking intentionally about your life. You should be putting some things. By the time I die, I want to have gotten as close to these things as I can. So that's where you want to go. But then there's this big phase. So here you are. Here's where you want to be. And the in-between, that's where the compass comes in, right? You need to take a compass and you, and you line up the northings. Then you get a bearing and you can shoot the bearing. And you know, hey, hey, I'm going to be following this path. And this obstacle is going to be coming and this obstacle. And, and I'm going to pass by this landmark. And that's going to help me know that I'm this far away from my intended place. And so in your life, in your life, you've got to then break that down. So you know point A, you know point B. You're being very careful. You're paying close attention to the way you walk in life, as Paul is encouraging us to do. And so next slide. So I want to break down uh, no Christ people. How am I going to do that? Because if I don't intentionally put some things into my life, I'm never going to get there. I'm going to find myself five years later the same amount of spiritual depth. And so in my life, I'm going to start to read the Bible daily. I'm going to have an intentional period of time when I read it. And I'm going to, for me, I try and go through the Bible every three years, the, the whole thing. I'm going to talk to God consistently throughout the day. I'm going to keep him first in my heart and, and be constantly looking. Hey, are there other firsts in my life? Or is God becoming second or third? I'm going to reject things that will hurt him. I'm going to listen to multiple sermons from other guys a week because I'm just a pastor. I need other people feeding me. I'm just another Christian, right? And, and I need, you know, for me, I try and hit 10 spiritual books um, that will help feed me. I try and read that, but for you, it's going to be, might be different. I'm going to stay humble, right? Because I know that pride is something God pushes away. And so if I don't keep a humble spirit, God is going to push me away in order to get my attention. But I want to be close to God. And so I'm going to stay open uh, to him realigning my life, right? Like God is in charge of my life. So I can't be like, I'm going this way, God, and I'm not changing for you. You better get on my track, God. No, I need to be ready for God to change. I'm going to stay open to being corrected by others. Very important. And I'm going to consistently forgive other people. Right? So these are just some, some things that, that as I plot where I want to go in life, as I pay close attention to my walk, I'm putting into my life so that I'm moving forward, so that I'm not just another person who, who spends all of his life the same place in life. What about you? There's another one. I'll just show you another one. So I want to keep seeking people. This is important. This is one we really neglect a lot of the time as Christians, right? We're not involved in unsaved people's lives. We're around Christians all the time, which is good, but we need to be out. And so, so there's some of these things 
that I, I put in my life intentionally so that I can move closer and closer. I want to be around unsaved people. I want to be in their lives. I want to be in the world, but not of the world. I want to, I want to speak into their life. I want to understand them. I want to feel their pain. You know that? I have to ask God, God, keep me tender. Like, keep my heart tender. Don't let me look. Oh, unbeliever. Look at your mess. Your life's a mess. You're getting what you deserve. I, I want to have those things. So what about you? Do you have these things? Thanks. You can take it off. You've got to be thinking intentionally about your lives or you will just find yourself drifting. That's why Paul says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. What's Paul saying? Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. A mark of wisdom is a person who intentionally pays, atten- pays close attention to how they walk. It's a mark of wisdom. So God is saying, you want to be an unwise person? Just drift through life. Just kind of let it all happen. You want to be a wise person? Pay careful attention to your life. A wise man or a woman marks out their course, sets their sail, and guides the rudder to those objectives. Jesus talked about this planning and he's talking about the cost, weighing the cost of following him. And that's something we've got to do, right? Jesus says in uh, Luke 14, 28, which of you wishing to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost and see if he has the resources to complete it. Otherwise, if he lays the foundation and is unable to finish the work, everyone that sees him will ridicule him saying, this man could not finish what he started to build. Or what king on his way to war with another king will not first sit down and consider whether he can engage with 10,000 men, the one coming against him with 20,000? And if it is unable, then he sends a delegate while the king is still far off and comes to terms of peace. A wise person pays close attention to their entire life. Not just one aspect of your life, your entire life, right? If we're thinking of it as a voyage, right? If I'm a sh- uh, captaining a ship, if I'm leading a ship, I'm not just staring off into the east the whole time, right? Oh. No, I'm looking all around, looking all around the horizon, looking north and south and east and west. I- I'm looking at the integrity of the ship, I'm inspecting it. Can this ship make the voyage? Are there some some things that need to change? I'm looking at what I'm bringing onto the ship. Is there some stuff on the ship right now? Are there some people on the ship? Are there some things that I've brought into? We're looking at our life as the ship that are hurting the integrity of my life. Do I have enough supplies to get there? What's the next milestone in my life that I'm going to hit? The wise person is thinking about these things. They're not just drifting through life. And sure, James warns us not to get set that that has to be my my final destination. In James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, he says this, Come now, you who say today and tomorrow we will go to this place or to that city and spend a year there. Carry on in business and make a profit. You do not know where you will happen, what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while, while then vanishes quickly. And that's true, right? We don't know how long we have in reality. 
I may be dead tomorrow. Something may happen tomorrow that may stop my plans. But James doesn't just say drift through life, just as a ship captain doesn't just drift and hope he's going to get to the place where he wants to go. No, he says in verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord is willing, we will live and do this or that. So there is intention. James isn't saying just drift through life. No, he's saying, have some goals, know where you're going. Stuff may happen and get in the way, but be constantly seeking what is the Lord's will for my life, which brings us back to Ephesians verse 16. Paul says, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Time is short. And and if you want to make the most of your life, you've got to be intentional. You've got to make the most of every minute, right? And, and if our society is good at something, it's, it's good at making us waste time, isn't it? Let's be honest, myself included. Our, our, our society, our culture, the big tech, its intent is to get you hooked so that you like spend four or five hours and you're like, what did I just do with my life, right? And, and, and so you have to be intentional because your time is short, you got to be intentional in setting those goals and following through in your finances, in your health, in your kingdom building. How am I building the kingdom? You know, I, I really regret from age 14 to 26, I wasted a lot of time there. And to youth, like, I encourage you, I beg you, don't waste your life chasing after the world's pursuits like I did. And I know there's a lot of other people in this room who, who can look back and say, I wasted that period of my life. But I am so glad that it was 27 that I got saved and not 37 and not 57 and not 77 because the time is short. It's finite. It's limited. And and the days are evil. It was true in Paul's days and it's true in our days. The days are evil. And so when we waste, evil gains ground. So I've watched some of you over the six years I've been here. Some of you have taken great steps forward. Some of you are, are running when you were crawling when I first came here. Some of you are moving forward in your relationships. You're overcoming the obstacles that hindered you before. Some of you are finally getting your finances figured out. Some of you are being used by God for his kingdom. And it's awesome. It's wonderful. That's why I do what I do. And I'm so encouraged. And I want to encourage you, keep going because God sees you doing it. We see you doing it. There are people in the church who are like, hey, have you seen this person's life? Yeah, I've, I've seen them. They've just come alive. They're doing awesome things. That's awesome. Keep going forward. There's some who, who you've started to now take little steps. And it may seem slow at first. And you're like, ah, oh, I haven't really walked much spiritually and this is all new to me. Keep going. You're doing good. You'll build momentum as you go. You'll get stronger as you build those spiritual muscles. And there are some, to be honest, who I haven't seen you do much over the last six years. You're still very much the same people that you were when I came six years ago. You haven't really moved. Some people have no idea how mixed up they really are. Like, uh, it's, it's a tragedy to look at some, the way some people live their life, and, and they're still blaming it on their parents, and they're still blaming it on the church they used to go to, and it's my spouse's fault. Actually, 
you've got a big part to play in that. You're always saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, but there's no forward movement. You come every week and you listen to the sermons, but you don't actually make it a part of you. You don't actually carry out and do it. Some of you who, who you know where you want to go, you know where you are, you know where you want to go, but there's no follow through in your life. It's like you're waiting for someone else to do it. It's like you're waiting for the pastor to do it or, or your spouse to do it or your friends to do it. No, we're, we're here to support you, to encourage you. God will give you what you need, but you need to step out. You need to step up. You need to stop blaming everyone. You need to get at it. You can't be ruled by your emotions. Remember, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.22, put off the old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So you got to plot your route. That's the first point. That's the biggest point. Second point, sometimes you got to be willing to make adjustments. Verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I just want you to look at three words there. First one is, Understand. Understand means to use your mind. God gave you a mind. You know, we're different from any other creation. We have the ability for self-reflection. We have the ability to, to analyze things deeply. We are made to think. We are a thinking people. God made us distinct from everyone else. And, and some Christians, they're, they're just listen to what everyone else has to say and they do it without actually thinking themselves. That's why there's so many problems in their life. They just hear something and it sounds good and they do it, but it's really not good. God made you a thinking person. You are to think on the things that you hear. You are to, to reflect on them. You're to check the sources on them. You're to compare it to God's perfect word. You're to think, be a thinking people. And you can't always believe, oh, the newsman said this, so it must be true. Oh, the YouTuber said this, so it must be true. Oh, the pastor said this, so it must be true. It's not always true. You've got to think on these things. You've got to understand in your life what is really true. Some Christians can kind of be mystical in their approach to life. They're like, you know, maybe you've met people like this. They're just, oh, I, I, I don't really make changes to my life. I, if God wills it, it'll just happen. Right, have you ever met a person like this? Uh, but you've got to be into, oh, no, God will just do it. But you've got you to gotta plow the ground. Oh, no, God will just make it happen. No, Christian. Sometimes it takes looking at our life and making changes. And, and here's the, the, the next two words, God's will. So understand, that's important. You've got to use your mind. You've got to think God's will. That's the next thing. Understand God's will. For what? For your life, Paul says. Understand God's will for your life. Sometimes to understand God's will, it's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some wise counsel from other people. It's going to take studying God's word in detail. Sometimes you're going to find the answers easily, and sometimes you're not. Sometimes there's going to be things in God, for what is God's will in my life in this area, and you're not really going to know. But you know what? There's some other things that God lays out pretty clearly. And so focus on the things that you do know for God's will 
And he'll show you the other things. And so what are some things we know God's will for your life is? Well, he wants you to know him. That's his will for you to know him. He wants you to be changed into his image. That's his will. He wants you to use you to build his kingdom. That's his will. He wants to use you to serve your spouse. He wants to use you to be a friend to those who have no friends. He wants to use you to train up the next generation to know him. He wants to use you, his will is, for you to steward what he gives you well in your time, talents, and treasures. Right? So those are some things that we know. They're clear, they're evident, they're easy. And so focus on those things. And God will show you the more complex things as you do and are faithful to the things that he's asked you to. And the third thing I want you to see in that line is the foolish. The foolish. So Paul is saying, people who don't use their minds to understand and make adjustments or changes to their lives in order to accomplish God's will in their lives are foolish. You want to be a wise person and not a foolish person. Nobody wants to be foolish. Nobody wants to have written over their gravestone, foolish. Right, But when we just drift through life, not trying to really understand what is God's will for our lives and make some plans and follow them through, we're living foolishly. And so I just want to give you a little method to analyze your life. And you, there's a few of you, I've shared this with you. There's a few things the military is good at. Um, it's, it's helping us to think strategically. And so when I was in leadership school, we, we learned the art of strategic thinking. That was what I was talking to you about before. That's what Paul's saying. Pay careful, careful attention to your life. Make strategic decisions, plan. But then there's another part, how you live out the daily living. And this is where a lot of people struggle. And so we learned this, this thing called tactical thinking or tactical planning. And I've written it in your bulletin. It is, tactical thinking is the continuous assessment of a situation allowing for rapid adaptation of the situation. The acronym is OODA loop. It's a loop because it's continuous. And this is how I try to approach life. I have those strategic plans, those big plans, but I'm also analyzing and looking at my life on a daily basis. Am I moving forward or am I moving backwards or am I still? And so OODA is the acronym. I'll give it to you. You can write it in if you're interested. It, it's very helpful to me, and I think it might be helpful to you. The, the first O is observe. Observe. In your daily life, you've got to stop and observe. And to observe just means to stop and to take in as much of the situation as you can. Do you ever stop in your interactions with people and, and just stop and say, how is this interaction going with my wife, with my grandchild, with my friend? Is it constantly not working? Stop and observe your life. And you've got to do that every now and again. Stop. Stop doing what you're doing. If what you're doing isn't working, stop being like a bull in a china shop and just doing it over again. That's the definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. So sometimes we just got to stop. Take a look at our life. Then the next O is orient. So orient your life Right? Sometimes we can kind of want to go that way, but we're going this way. And so when we stop, it gives us an ability to just take a look at things. You know, and really, why does my spouse and I seem to have constant conflict? And why is it at this time of the day? Why can't I seem to 
ever get any money in the bank? Why, why am I always in debt? Right? And, and in that, when you orient yourself, it's, it's, and it's looking at this as from a tactical way of thinking, right? When, we're, when we're, we plan battles, but then when we fight the battles, it changes, the situation changes, so we need to be reorientating ourselves. So it's understanding what stands between you and your goal. So you've stopped. You're taking a look at the situation. Okay, some things seem to have changed. The D is then decide. Make a decision. There are some people who cannot make a decision. They're just bouncing all around. Oh, I can't make a decision. Oh, I could do that, but then this might happen, this might happen. Make a decision. You know, life is just a lot of decisions, and some work out and some don't. Just because you've made decisions in the past that didn't work out doesn't mean you can't make better decisions now. And you know, I've made a lot of dumb decisions. Paul made some dumb decisions. Peter made some dumb decisions. All of the disciples did. And yet, they acted again. They made more decisions. So you've got to stop, observe, orient, decide, and then act. Act. Carry it out. Follow through. Decide and follow through in whatever God feel, you feel God is pushing towards. Then you got to, verse 18, you got to inspect the crew. You got to look at what's on, you're bringing onto your ship. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. What is Paul talking about? All through this letter, we've seen him comparing, haven't we? Comparing and contrasting. Right, the old self, the new self, Gentiles, Christians, uh, darkness, light, immoral, moral, drunkenness, drunk with the Spirit. Paul is talking to us about, he's talking to the Ephesians specifically about not getting sucked back in to the old party life. And as we talked about the Ephesians lived in a Greek city, which was a Greco-Roman culture, and they did a lot of immoral, sexually immoral things. We talked about the last week. We don't need to go back into that. That was a way of life. And Paul's like, don't be in that light way of life anymore. Shun that way of life. But you know what they also did? They had these, most of the public gatherings, or most of the gatherings um, involved a lot of heavy drinking, like a lot of drunkenness. Drunkenness, immorality, you can understand what was going on. And so Paul is encouraging them, again, just as he did a few verses ago, not to be immoral sexually. Don't be filling yourself, and don't be going to the parties, and don't be involved in the things that the society is involved with. You used to be involved in that life. Don't involve yourself now. And you, on your journey of life, are going to get sucked in. There's going to be a lot of nice people that come along, and they're going to invite you to be involved in things, the pleasures of the the world, and you're going to have to say no. Right, And so there is that balance. You want to be involved in non-believers' lives, but you don't want to get pulled into the things that are going to set you on a bad path. An old dead pastor called, uh, his name was A.C. Welch. He said this, you got to fill a man with something. Either the unbeliever will find his happiness by filling himself with wine and all the pleasures of the world and end up empty, or the Christian will fill himself with the Spirit and find true and everlasting happiness. You got to be filled with something, right? And and here's the thing. If you're not living life intentionally, you're going to automatically be filled with the world. 
right? Being filled with the spirit of God means being intentional about life. Who you're inviting into your life, who is influencing you, what are you spending your time doing? I know this of myself. If I'm not intentional, I, uh, the, 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 the things of the world just call me over. I hear that voice. Come on over. Find your pleasure and your happiness in me. And so Paul is encouraging them, hey, hey, stay away from those old parties. Stay away from those old influences. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be around other believers. Wow, there's, if you ever read Kings, it's a book of tragedy. There's a few good stories in the, in the book of Kings. One of them is uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And he could have done so much different than his father had done. He inherited the kingdom and, and he's at this standstill place and he's got two groups telling him to do two different things. You got the old men who saw Solomon lose the kingdom. And they're telling him, hey, hey, do the opposite of what your father did. Don't put heavy burdens on the people. Humble yourself. And you got the young people. Don't listen to those old windbags. Just do whatever. Show those people who's boss. Show them you're not a man to be messed with. Show him you're a businessman. And unfortunately, he was drawn into the advice of those young guys, and he lost the kingdom. Civil war. And hey, on this journey of life, you've got to make sure that you're bringing good things, good people, good influences into your life, or you're going to find yourself just drifting or shipwrecked in life. I just want to close there. I just want to ask you. Okay, you can read the rest of it and... You know, he talks about the importance of the church. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. I just want to pause there, okay? Before we go into worship and communion, I want to ask you, I want you to think about your life. Like, don't just phase out here. Think about where you are in life. Do you have some goals in life? Like, for who you want to be. Maybe you're a young parent. Have you already determined, hey, these are some things I want to teach and, and I want my kids to know. I really want them to know that I love them. I want, I want to never have a doubt in their mind when I'm gone that they were dearly loved. I want to teach them about this God that I serve and love. I want to teach them practically how to manage their finances, so on and so forth. Do you have an idea of how you want to parent your kids? Do you want to have an idea of what kind of a person you want to be in the church? Like, are you just coming and just kind of hoping you'll just plop into a place do you have an intentional outlook on, hey, I can be a valuable member of the church. I can build some deep friendships. There's a reason why the church is so important. And, and we have this new group. I hear it all the time saying, well, I really don't know if the, important, if the church is really important. It was important for 2,000 years. Trust me, it's important to your life. Satan wants to get a Christian alone, by himself, isolated, not around other Christians. Can some churches be dysfunctional? Oh, yeah. But hey, the church is important. Like, are you living intentionally? Do you know where you are? Listen, let me ask you. Do you know where you really are in life? Do you have some goals? Are you following them through? God wants for you to have an amazing life. That is really his desire. Life can be so awesome. But you got to do things his way. And sometimes that means humbling yourselves. Sometimes that means making some big changes in your life. I hope you'll take that to heart. 
I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite uh, Alyssa and the worship team to come back up. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you don't speak to us like little babies, that you want us to have the good food to life. God, help me to pay close attention to my life. Lord, help me not to waste my time. Help us not to waste our time. The days are evil, Lord. And we need to live intentionally and make the most of our time. God, would you help us? God, would you give us a desire to, to leave this earth knowing we fought the good fight? Lord, we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.